Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Well, hello, Mark. Hello, Matt. What's up? <laughs> good, good. How was your week? Uh, very, very productive. Like, oh, I, yeah. yeah, I made a huge breakthrough. I can't believe I waited so long to do this. Oh, really? But, but I, I bought a framework. Oh, <laughs> like, shit. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a boilerplate that does, that does everything you would want to do for a SaaS. Okay. Except the actual like, service. Oh, okay, okay. So it does like multi-tenant like account and user management. Wow. Um, like payment processing. Um, yeah, and it has an administration dashboard. Like mm. you know, it comes already integrated with Tailwind. It's like and it, and it cost me two hundred and fifty bucks. It's like okay. <laughs> it's like oh my god, why did I wait so long for this? That's because. Because like I, I was saying last time, like I, you know, I've been a Rails developer for a long time, but I'm, I'm a lot, my expertise is a lot more back end. Right. So when it comes to trying to make fancy front ends, like I, I don't know, I seem like I'm always fighting with, with Rails. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, what do other people do? Right. So like, mm-hmm. so I had heard about this, this template, it's called Jumpstart Pro. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's like an open source version, but it's very, very limited. It's very, it's the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. So I tried that. There was a few things that weren't working on it. So I was like a little skeptical. Oh, I don't know if the the pro version is going to be any better. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the documentation said, no, the pro version is really, it's a, it's a, it's not even a fork. It's like, it's completely different. Oh, really? Yeah. And I guess the open source version is, just there for to advertise the pro version, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But this guy that's that's behind us, his name is Chris Oliver. Mm-hmm. Like he, he he does uh, Rails tutorials for for a living. I think. Like, okay. He has a site called Go Rails, and he has it's like a pre a freemium model. Like, there's lots of free videos, and then most of them you have to pay to see. Okay. Uh, so I've seen his videos forever, mm-hmm. and. So then, I, I, and he has that money back guarantee. So I was like, "All right, you know, it's two hundred fifty bucks. Like, whatever. I'm just gonna try it." Yeah. Oh my god, I should have should have done this years ago. <laughs> it was like, wow, it just works. And uh, and and you have a bunch of examples like of things you want to see. Like, oh nice, right? It's like because you have like the user profile, the account details, uh, the payment processing. You get all these pages that are built for you. So. Yeah. And they're already built with Tailwind, so you could just copy paste them and reuse them. And that's awesome, man! I wish yeah. I had thought of this when you were talking about scaffolding and everything. I was like, yeah. man, that sounds like a pain in the ass. But yeah, what a huge investment! Because now you don't have to fight with <laughs> all these gems you were talking about. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it was just yeah, and everything is just you know, like it just gives it makes all these opinionated decisions for you. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to use stimulus for the, the JavaScript. You're going to use uh, Hotwire. You're going to use the Postgres as a database, which is usually not what I do. Yeah, you swap it out. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't think you can. Like, oh, really? Well, 
or maybe I could swap it out for another relational database. But usually I, I go for like a no SQL solution like MongoDB. Yeah. So there's no way I'm going to... I mean, I guess I could for other tables like use MongoDB. But I don't know. For now, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever. I'm doing it that way because hopefully everything will just work. But uh, yeah, it's the best decision I've made so far. That's fantastic. So I've been, yeah, I've been super productive. I've been just coding nonstop for mm. all week. I worked th- throughout the weekend also. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty excited with what I have so far. That's great. Uh, so w- where are you at? Where are you hoping to be? <clears throat> so like I basically, you have to, you know, user registers, they connect their Airtable they they pick the table that's going to hold their membership information. So this is where the mem- the members are going to be inserted. Uh, and then and now they're at the point where they're designing a form. So like, okay, I want to, let's say I want to, it's a job board, right? So mm-hmm. the member account is a employer. So you have an employer table and now you want to create a, a form to post a job listing. So yeah, so I'm at, I'm at that point now where you're designing the form. Okay. Yeah, and it's coming along great. Very like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to clone the same user experience as Airtable when creating a form. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things I wasted a little bit of time on, like that you can drag and drop components in Airtable. Yeah. So at first I had started to do that, and then I was like wasting too much time. Now they're really like, like is drag and dropping really the best way of moving stuff around? Like, couldn't I just do a first version with? up and down arrows. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's what I decided to do. I scrapped okay. the, the drag and drop. And now it's just up and down arrows and a plus plus or minus buttons to add or remove a field. Yeah. No, that's that's totally sufficient. Everybody yeah, yeah. knows everybody knows what a plus button does. No, exactly. It's like it's it's still the same layout, you know, like the the fields that you can add are on the left and the fields that you had that that you did pick are on the on the right. Mm-hmm. So you know, it still it still looks the same. Like very cool. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that's going to be done. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. And then the next the next step is going to be um, integrating it. So like the you know the pages that where I show the user how to integrate it. Like you know this is the snippet you have to add for this form. Right. And then they just add the snippet, and then it will load that form on the page in a modal. Okay. Yeah. So. It's, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's coding. Like, yeah, what's not fun about coding? Isn't fun? Isn't coding fun? Jeez. Yeah, and it's just fun because now I have momentum. It's like mm. now that I have like the foundation has been has been built, and now it's just it's just adding pages. Like it's yeah. like all right, now we're gonna add a form designer or the the section where you pick which tables hold your membership information. Mm. Yeah. That that stuff is moving along quickly now. That's great. Damn. So when do you think you'll be done? Or when, when do you think you'll have something that you can get into the hands of a beta user? Um, I, I think maybe maybe at the end of this week, I might have okay. something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise, next week, for sure. Okay. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, coding is too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. And especially when you're in, you got that momentum going. Like, you know, you just... Yeah. You sit down at the computer and you know what you have to do. It's like, yeah, yeah, I just I have to code this part now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, 
then you just start coding and you forget to eat and you <laughs> yeah oh, man. You, you look at the time shit it's already 9 p.m <laughs> yeah oh man that, it, for me it's always like you forget to eat and then all of a sudden like a small problem pisses you off and you're like why am i getting so angry about this oh i forgot to eat lunch <laughs> right uh, yeah i probably should get up and do something yeah my body yeah meets usually my my body temperature drops so like i'm mm. you know so i don't get like hangry but uh but all of a sudden like i feel really cold i was like what the hell like you know the window's closed like why is it so cold in here mm. <laughs> why are my hands freezing it's like, oh yeah i didn't eat today <laughs> stupid code <laughs> yep and um yeah for power importer I, I didn't have as much support this week oh great yeah so so i was able to do it like one hour a day in the morning without any problems oh that's great yeah, yeah let's hope for another week like this <laughs> so how about you how was your week my week was good um Big things I'm working on right now are making sure that I maintain that boundary uh, between freelancing and uh, working on other things. Um, that's been going very well. Uh, okay. One of the big things I'm just kind of coming in, uh, you know, so I'm trying to start my day with, okay, exactly how many hours are you going to spend doing each thing and committing to that and being like, okay, well, you're stopping at 1 p.m. You're stopping. So I don't know if it's just picking more digestible stuff or maybe the chunks that I'm dealing with now are just more digestible by nature of how the project has gone, but it's been a lot easier for me to stop. So I'm just trying to like keep that as a win and make sure that I have that win every day that I'm, that I'm picking what I'm working on. Um, and other than that, uh, I've been working on the um, Webflow 10K CMS drop-in. Um, so that is interesting and I'm, I wanted to talk with you about it kind of like technically about some of the stuff that I've noticed and if it's possible. So basically where I'm at now is I contrived a really simple example in Webflow. I, I created a little like t-shirt store for myself. I'm using the CMS. I put a few assets in there, some text, that kind of thing. And I'm reading from the Webflow API, the internal API, and you can get like a node. Um, you basically get a map of all of the DOM objects that exist on the page. So from there, so, okay, so I kind of broke the problem into three or four pieces. So I know that if I can take these nodes and rearrange them properly, then I can, I can replicate effectively the output HTML that you get from exporting your site. Because when you export your site, you get the site as it is with the CSS, JS, everything that Webflow needs but without any of the template language that would take your CMS entries and translate them into something on the page. Um, so problem number one is I need to be able to figure out where inside of that export your template, your template code would live effectively. Right. And that's not that hard. So I took the nodes and I was able to recreate roughly the, um, the, HTML of the export and I can line the nodes up and say the template goes here or there's a template space here so that that's not too bad so then the next part would be how can I take the data that lives inside of the CMS and effectively either generate the site as it would be or come up with the template language that would then generate the end site um, and then the next part would be either so then the part after that would be okay well you have the temp you have 
I've created my own template language that I insert into the export and then render the export um, by punching in CMS values that come from me. So where I'm at now is how can I generate that template language or how can I generate those entries myself? So what I've noticed is that in the DOM output, uh, in, in that kind of like DOM um, language that they have, they, this, this map, um, they don't give you complete, uh, they don't give you all of the data that would be needed to, well, okay. It's not that they don't give it to you, it's that it's a little incomplete. So what I noticed, for example, like in, the, in my contrived example, I have a, uh, like a, a very simple layout. I think it's a grid um, and you can define like, oh, it's six by N entries or whatever. So I have a grid type, I suppose. And when you examine the DOM, it doesn't really say that. It, um, but when you look at the export, uh, the exported document, it is in, uh, Webflow is inserting a bunch of class names into the uh, into the end HTML. So for example, like I can see that there's a couple of dynamic items, like there's a Dynamo list and a Dynamo item and these kinds of things. So I see, I get like a little picture under the hood of how they're doing things, but what a Dynamo item is will depend on the type of grid that it's in. So it will have classes that, it'll have classes that are attached to each item that reflect the grid that you select in Webflow but I don't really have a clear idea of what one grid, all of the class types that one grid will exp will translate to effectively. So where I'm at now is I can't a priori know this item has these classes. I have to use the Webflow exp like publish feature basically, look at what the classes are and say, okay, for an item that looks like this, these are the classes that are applied. So that scares me a little bit because what I really wanted to do was, you know, public be able to say, look, I can pull the data from the API and then I know. But now it's like, well, that's not really true. Um, you have to compile the site or you'll have to see what an end result is and basically reverse engineer all of the class names that get used um, in order to represent a grid, for example. And that scares me a little bit. Um, yeah. It's one thing to like look at a node and be like, I can deduce what this would be. But then now all of a sudden it's like, I don't really know. I kind of have to re-implement their like class structure in order to be like, well, this means this and this means this. So therefore I need to have these three classes in this. So it's like, it, it, yeah, it just, yeah, it's, it just ma it makes it a harder and more difficult order in order to, um, guarantee that the output that somebody gets from running through my service is the same as what they get through Webflow. Yeah, and especially if, if values are blank in the CMS, like mm -hmm. you won't, if you look at the exported staging site, you're not gonna be able to know that this is blank here, but it's because there was no value in the CMS. Like, exactly, now you're right, like there's, so this is one of the things that kind of scares me a little bit of, there's a lot of unknowns, like unknown unknowns. Just like, oh yeah, it turns out like there's a case where just like you say, like, oh, this site, this thing could be here, but it's not because it's empty in the CMS, but it might not always be and everything else. And it's like, well, shit, how do I know I'm rendering the right thing? Like, I don't really. But how how does Webflow do it though? Like when when you're logged into the Webflow designer, like they're, you know, they show you, they, sh they show you like the architecture of your, your page, right? Okay, this is a container list and 
it will loop through your CMS. And mm-hmm. so how does it know what to display there? I'm not sure. I need to look, so, you know, I mean, take this with a grain of salt. I need to look back through other API endpoints. But my guess is that when it looks at a node um, in this, in the DOM map, it can say, all right, like this is a Dynamo item and a Dynamo item is technically a div with some things in it. And maybe that's how flex gets managed. So if you, if your items are flexing and we're laying items different ways and it's like, okay, so we're going to, for each item, this is how we'll control flex. And we'll put in a few other things to maintain grid, uh, to mean grid, to maintain grid positions. And then it'll be like, all right, and then we have a container and that container is another div. And then we hold things like, I don't know, like who, the problem is I'm not the best with CSS. So like, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> like I was reverse engineering how they do images. And that was, that was interesting. <laughs> like, cause they, when you upload an image to Webflow, um, they automatically take it and do a bunch of stuff to it. So they'll take it and create a bunch of different dimension versions of that image and they'll create source sets for that image so that depending on how it scales or depending on how that image is displayed in the browser, if it's flexing, if it's doing whatever else, then it will display the correct image. So it's doing a lot of work under the hood to um, to create the right assets for the browser to use. So I was like, oh, how do you do this? So when you, <laughs> so in my t-shirt store, I, I was like dropping in a few images and it's like, oh yeah, here's your image. And then when you look at it in the CMS, there's like eight variants with all their own right. things and like understanding, like how do you determine what the max size is? And it's like, I don't know. Like <laughs> the DOM will tell you luckily. So, well, at least right now, like when I look, I might not understand all of the attributes and all these elements, but when I look at the DOM and I look at the final output, I'm like, okay, I can see how they've, at least I think I can see how they're assembling the elements into the final um, into the final right. product. Yeah, I mean the images is it's a nice to have like, but for the for V one you you don't need it like you could just take the image as is and just display it. You know, like that's fair. They they download the full size image each time, and even if they're on a mobile with a four hundred fifty pixel wide screen, mm. <clears throat> yeah. but uh, but I mean. Because I think that yeah, the solution is is going to be like a Chrome plugin, right? Like you're gonna you're gonna have to be inside. The user's going to be logged into Webflow, and you're going to be able to reverse engineer the Webflow designer, and the the information has to be there. Like I don't I don't see how the Webflow site is able to display a preview of what you just built without that information being available to a to a, yeah, I mean, a Chrome extension. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, like I was assuming from the, from the DOM map, it looks, if I were just taking a guess on what I've seen, they're saying that, oh, there is a dynamo item. And I know, like I, the I Webflow know how to render a dynamo item by creating a div and putting these classes in it in combination with this other element. And then rendering that way so it's just a straight translation process of i i have an L, i have a class and i know how to render that class in each okay or whatever okay so you think that there's some rules that are hidden in their javascript somewhere like yeah yeah it's it's taking those nodes and transforming them somehow okay okay so this so you'd have to reverse engineer the javascript also to to know what those rules are 
yeah to, to interpret their template yeah because that's the that's the scary thing of just like okay well it's it would be one thing if it's just like i have these nodes and i need to turn like it's just a mix and match of everything you need to know is in these nodes but that's not really true there are classes at the very least there are classes that are being applied that that exist that i don't know about that i'm not aware of until okay. i bake the site and deploy it now that is to say like so part of me is looking at this and saying like okay you know i know a little bit about webflow i've played around with it and and that kind of thing but how many different data controls are there how many different classes are there to apply to because it's like okay well say i say i was going to continue and, and play with this it's like how do you that means for every element type for every like grid for every everything you need to be able to say, I understand how this element relative to its collection renders uh, according to how it's configured in Webflow. I know the classes that are applied. I know if there's any extra styling that's applied. I know that too. Styling's not so bad because styling is stored as um, usually it's, um, as so far, it's been, uh, um, it, it's expressed as part of the node graph or the, so the node graph, the, um, the, the, the DOM graph. So you can go in and be like, oh, there's a custom style that's applied here and it overrides whatever the original style was. Okay, cool. Um, but with respect to the actual elements themselves, it's like I can tell you what the tag is and I can tell you all these things, but it's the classes that are really important because it's, yeah, the classes and the and how things flex and get displayed is the, is the crux of the problem. Okay. So, so far I've been able to... Um, so where I got to a point where... I was able to pull an example, like I was able to pull the contents of my CMS and just, you know, I'm just hacking this thing together. So I threw it into a, <laughs> into a variable and I just do json.loads and now I have a dict of, of all of my CMS items. And, um, and I create a, my own DOM tree effectively because the, the graph itself has references to all of its children and everything like that. So I'm able to render a tree, a DOM tree that's identical, well, identical in structure to what Webflow outputs. Okay. But I'm missing, I'm missing the classes that have the visual elements in them to, well, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm missing the class names that I could apply to each element that will have it render properly. So it should render in a nice like horizontal grid right now, but right now it's a, because I'm missing those classes, it's all vertical. Um, but you have those classes in the export, right? I have them in the export, yeah. So my next step is I'm going to take, I'm going to shoehorn the thing and uh, and just say, okay, anytime you see something that looks like this, apply these classes to it. I'm going to give that a try. And then I'm going to create a couple new pages and I'm going to see what happens. <laughs> I'm just going to okay. uh, feed the DOM through and see how it breaks, if it breaks, okay. um, and try a few things. Well, that's, that's impressive like that you're able to take that that secret JSON DOM that they have and to generate an HTML that has the exact same structure. That's, mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so uh, I was thinking about something. Um, so, I, so, okay, I'm happy with the progress I've made so far. I haven't proved that it's impossible, but I think I've proved that it's fragile at the very least. So part of the, some of the questions I wanted to ask you are, do you think it's too risky to proceed with something like this? Like, I'm, I will say I'm a little bit worried that because this isn't an API, <laughs> like this is not a partner effort. Like <laughs> Webflow is not partnering with me to do this. Oh no, oh, no. <laughs> <This> is, <laughs> you're not gonna get any love from them. 
zero. <laughs> I will receive negative love. Um, but, you know, I am worried that, you know, that, like, it's like double product risk, if that makes sense. Because it's like, oh, Webflow could go ahead and change something and increase the limit or, you know, address it completely. Or they could be like, I don't like this class anymore. I'm going to change the class to this. And, and I'm subject to that. And if they do it because they're making their product better, I'm playing catch up, um, which is a little bit scary. More than a little bit scary. Yeah. No, you're right. There is a lot of platform risk. Risk more more so than like like power and border. Like, oh no, yeah, because you're using an API. Like you're you're going through official channels. Yeah, and yeah, and I'm not stealing customers from them. Like I'm I'm if anything I'm I'm bringing new customers to them. Like, mm-hmm. And like t- I would argue too, like technically I'm not stealing customers from them either, because they, um, if they were looking to break the ten thousand, if customers were looking to break the ten thousand limit, they have to move off of Webflow. So I'm keeping them on Webflow. Right. No, you're right. They're not. Yeah, they're not losing them. Hmm. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, they're losing them as a hosting customer, but but they're still gonna have a a paying account to continue to design their site. Hmm. I just had a brain wave. What if you? What if the CMS? Okay, you would have to figure out how to do a, how to deal with cores. But like, what if all of the data on the page was dynamically loaded, and like the CMS just existed somewhere else, and instead of dropping in the CMS? No, I don't really. Yeah, that kind of ruins the Webflow experience because you're the whole point is that you're designing with the CMS. You don't want to design with the CMS and then be like awesome, I'm going to hit publish, and instead of the CMS, it's a JavaScript thing that goes somewhere else and fetches the CMS data and then displays right. it. But then you'd still have the 10,000 limit. Well, not if I host the CMS for you. Okay. But uh, so then you're still hosting, because the reason I thought of that was because um, well, you're probably going to get weird flicker issues and stuff. Was I was thinking, like, oh, I wonder how like JetBoost does it. And, and them, because it's just like, they're doing something very similar. I would think, or well, I guess the difference there is like they understand how to render. They either take what's on a page and copy it and render according to that copy, or yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've talked with Chris from JetBoost about this, so so I know how he does it, but okay. I, would, I don't I don't want to reveal the secret no. sauce. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, okay, so yeah, there is platform risk. Um, but let's say you you had like two paying customers that are paying you 500 or 1,000 bucks a month mm-hmm. to host through a big Webflow site that has more than 10,000 items. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, is that is that a reasonable price? Like, that's a very good question. I've been, that's been in the back of my mind as I've been building because every time I, a new control comes up or I try to figure something else, trying to figure something out, it's like, okay, so imagine that you're writing this code right now for a customer that's paying you money. How much money would it cost? How much, how much would it take for you to feel decent about doing this work? Because that comes with stipulations too. Like if they make a change in their design and they're using the CMS in a new way, they're going to hit publish, but like it needs to go to me before I publish it because I have to test it and see it working the way. It yeah, works. exactly. Yeah, it's more like a productized service, right? It's yeah. More like you're, um, you have a full time. We well, don't have a full time developer, but you have a developer that's there, on call, that's ready. That when you want to publish, you make changes. You want to publish them, like either it's fully automated or they have to manually do something. But eventually, your site will be hosted. 
Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, what would even if Webflow did break something, like you could, you know, be back up and running in three days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's. Yeah, yeah, it would suck. It would suck all of a sudden. Oh, like they added. Uh, added something new and now you have to implement that mm-hmm. it would suck but maybe it wouldn't be that often mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a good question i don't know how to quantify the the amount of risk there is it's like okay well i'm very attached to the way that they do things um but like define the risk quantify it it's really more just a point of uncertainty i guess And I think the reality too is, um, you know, building a product that, or, you know, building code that, because I fuck being, fuck calling it a product or whatever, but like it's, you know, building an, a, building a, a piece of code that can take some web flow DOM rep- map representation and render it as what they are doing. Like that has, that has value across customers. Maybe you fix it for one person and it fixes it for another or, or breaks it for another. Like it, de- <laughs> it depends. Yeah, because the reality is that I mean, getting a getting a site from zero to hosted on to me hosting it is I mean, it's gonna be pretty challenging, I imagine, um, with the number of controls that exist. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, like I've only been playing around with a, a non-paginated list, <laughs> so it's okay. like I can't wait to add pagination to this and see what happens. <laughs> How much shit is gonna explode? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So, like, how much, like, big ballpark, like, how much more work would you have to do in order to to feel that you have a proof concept, this is doable, mm-hmm. and I could actually start doing it for a paying customer right now? Like, mm-hmm. like is it one week, 10 weeks, 100 weeks? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, one thing that would be really, really nice is like a kitchen sink page like it has every control with a bunch of different settings um all the out of the box stuff that that webflow can give you like all on one page basically and for me to implement a few controls like spending spend let's say two weeks and try to implement as many of those components or you know implement the logic that would create those components as possible and click run and see what happens um, and you know, if it was like in two weeks, I managed to get a third of the components working well, then that would give me quite a lot of confidence that like, okay, actually I can, I can ship away at this and, and I can get this working. So at that point I would say, okay, I feel more comfortable going out to a customer and saying, okay, look, I can get you to this point. Um, but it's funny cause that's only part of the battle. Like, okay, great. You've come up with a thing <laughs> that creates Webflow documents, now it's like, or, you know, Webflow pages. Now it's like, okay, how do you, um, ha- how do you uh, host the CMS, replicate the CMS, and how do you host all of this? So it's like having some programmatic stuff to be like, oh, something, like, because oh, like, oh, a new thing to a queue was added. Oh, because it like, I haven't done enough checking, um, which is not good, but I, I need to go and check, like, of the page, of the, the, products or pages that are breaking the 10,000 limit, 
how are they breaking it? Like, what is breaking the page? Is it user-generated content, like comments? Like, what what is it? And then going in and being like, oh, actually, maybe, like, oh, it's, I don't know, like, if it's things in a table, then yes, okay, it makes sense. Then I need to be able to, like, render tables, or I can begin targeting tables. And Yeah, my guess it's, it has, it has to be user-generated content. I don't know what else like, it could be. I mean... Yeah, because otherwise it's the owner of the site that's generating all this content. That's a lot of content. Yeah, like, of what? Like, what are yeah. they? Right, and... Yeah, and, and it means they're generating it daily, right? Like, if if you starting off with more than 10,000 items, well, you didn't pick Webflow as your solution. Like, you mm-hmm. moved on to something else. Yeah. So... At one point, you had three thousand, and Webflow was a great solution. But then, but then, you're growing every day because you're adding more content. Mm-hmm. I don't, I can't imagine what content they're adding. Mm-hmm. But for anything that has user-generated content, like that's that's just going to grow organically over time. Mm-hmm. So I and I, I think their design is probably not going to change that much. It's a good point. You know, or maybe they'll, you know, they'll, yeah, they'll add add a static page here or there or so i think i'm just trying to come up with the net what what the next step is because i don't want to like sit down and write code and commit to like writing beautiful code or anything like that all, all i want to do is i would like to take my list view thing and see it work and see it work with pagination and then say okay i've got something um let me go and see some of these people who have 10,000 elements and see what they're doing and that sort of thing to see if it's, because if it's a crazy dashboard page with like all sorts of crazy stuff on it, then it's like, okay, this is tricky. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have to admit, I, I did not spend as much time as you have on this. When I first had the idea, I looked... My idea was like, oh, look, I exported the site. So I have the HTML and the CSS. So I, all the classes are already there. So then I just need to know where does the logic go? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where's the for loop and yeah. where's the if? And and that's all in that secret JSON that's that's inside the Webflow yep. designer. Yep. So I was going to take what's exported and then just traverse, you know, both mm-hmm. the JSON and the, and the exported html and then just insert the logic yeah but yeah it's like the the problem ends up being like okay sure but you have to recreate the template the the um you you have to recreate all of the html and css well you you have to apply the styles like you're not you're not going to be generating your own classes there it's all done for you but you have to insert all the correct classes on all of the correct items to have it look the way it does in Webflow. But the classes are already in the export though. Uh, not the classes that exist on the like on the items themselves. So like if you have a Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so like okay. so like it, so my t-shirt store is like, you know, I have a banner and then down below is my collection and on each collection item, you don't know what the actual what the you don't know anything about uh, those you're right. those items. Because they export absolutely nothing. Zero. If it's inside a collection list. Exactly. You know that the collection list is there. And it's funny okay. because they actually give you um, 
Oh no, they might, that only might be in the DOM. But like when you do the DOM export, there's like two things. There's like what the empty element looks like and they give you the empty element, but not the, <laughs> but then they're like, oh, and here's a div where if there was something, this is the container. Okay. So yeah. Okay, so now your question is like, how much more coding do you do? Or is this even the kind of business that you want to run? Yeah, so I think that so what will what's very clear is that this is to me this is quite a large project i think you can do it um i think it's big but you don't have to eat the whole world you you can do just the parts that allow that enable your customers um that said any time that you're like this will not be instant and it will not be self-service like at all everything anytime you want to publish new designer changes I need to like run my code gen against Webflow and I have to do, I have to come up with a method of diffing the two to, to say like, okay, this is working or something in the code is broken and I need to adapt it. The nice thing is that every time you, every time something breaks, you make the thing stronger and it, you understand Webflow a little better and your stuff right. gets a little better. Cause it's, I find it very, like very unlikely that by making a change to your code that you would fix one site and break another. Like Webflow is following a business process to take a node and turn it, or to take one of these DOM nodes and turn it into your actual HTML. So like what would be best is if I had that, um, but you know, maybe I don't. Okay. And then there's things like, and this, I've only just started to scratch the surface. So like animations, things that require JavaScript or other things. Like, I mean, uh, Webflow will give you the JavaScript when you do your export, but I haven't, I haven't seen any like on-click events or something like that. I haven't seen, I haven't played with buttons. I haven't played with any of that okay. stuff. So, so there's a lot of unknowns in there, but it just becomes a question of like, so at that point it's like, all right, I don't think it makes sense to code for six months and be like, all right, I'm ready to go. I think the value of this business is you can talk to someone right now and be like, you're going to hit the 10,000 limit. I can help you get off of that. Uh, and you can deliver them value immediately. Um, so it's figuring out like, is that the kind of business that I want to run? And right. can I charge enough? And if let's say it is, I have to charge enough for it to be worth my time. Yeah. So is this the kind of business you want to run? I'm totally okay with running a business like this. This doesn't bother me. Um, at least in the short term. I mean, you know, long term, I want to have a, uh, I want the ability to, to do more, like, you know, to, to have it be more automated than it is now. And I think that comes with time. I, I think it's, um, it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good ask to have that be immediate. Like the Webflow is just too big because like, I think that's the whole thing here. Like I don't want to trivialize what Webflow does. Um, but if there was a way that I could get access to this, then that would be sweet. Right. Well, I mean, that's it. If you think it, if you know you've played around with it, you you see an end game. You see an end game. Like it, it seems like it's doable. Like eventually, you know, yeah, you'll you'll make mistakes. You'll forget classes. You'll add them, and mm -hmm. Webflow might introduce something new, and you'll have to reverse engineer that. And, mm -hmm. But in the long run, it's like yeah, it's doable. I guess the next the next risk. The test is the market risk. Is anybody willing to pay um, a reasonable amount of money for this? Mm -hmm. Because 
I mean, definitely the first version is going to take up a lot of your time. Yeah. And you might, you know, eventually you'll, you'll probably have to outsource it to, to, to some extra help. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know, if the tool does, you know, 80% of the job for them, but then, you know, like the tool can detect what, what has changed and at least they don't have to like restart from scratch. All right. I have to republish this new site. It's like, no, the, that your tool can do a diff and say, well, they just changed this t- this one template in the CMS. So that's the only thing you need to change. Yeah, because yeah, I guess the other option could be rather than trying to recreate it from rather than trying to recreate it from the DOM elements itself, just take a version of the published site for in Webflow and derive from that. Okay, this is what I can construct. A I can I can backwards construct what the what the template looks like and um once you have that then it's like okay i can generate this i can effectively generate the um hopefully (laughs) hopefully i can generate the um the the templating required to then just be like all right cool as long as i have data i can just loop over the data and uh, insert it into the page because like i'm I'm just uh, like ever since i brought up jetboost i'm thinking how do they do that i'm thinking like i mean (laughs) Like, I mean, that must play a role, like to look at something and sort out like, oh, okay, this is what the data looks like. When more data gets added, this is how it gets added or something along those lines. Um, Cause that wouldn't be so bad to figure out, okay, this is, and you could probably identify that from some of the class items. Cause that's how I'm forward doing it. of just being like, oh, I can see it's a container and containers look like this. So, or I, I think a container should look like this versus looking at Webflow and being like, oh, this is what represents a container. Right. So maybe that's actually the smarter way to go. About it. Downside okay. there is you just you need to get a published version of the page, but that's okay. Yeah, you, that... could, you could you could password protect like you could publish on Webflow, but not host it, and then password protect the page. Yeah, I think most people they they, they always publish to staging. That that means they have a Webflow.io subdomain, mm-hmm. and they and that you get that for free. Like you can host yeah. there your fifty CMS items. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the designers always publish, like they always publish there because that's how they can show it to the client and see that, you know, does this work? Is this what you wanted? Right. I don't even know if they password protect it, like if it's really necessary. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You could just, yeah, like whatever. As long as I have access to it, then I can take it and then reverse engineer it. Maybe that's actually yeah. an easier way to do it. Well, that's it. I mean, for, you know, for like a V1, like, Matt as a service, could you do this all manually? <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that. Because my problem was that like with so many elements, I, I was I, I guess that was my problem. It was like, well, at some point, they're going to give me something, and I need to be able to take that something and fill it with data. Um, and I, up until now, I just knit, I, I didn't have a way to automate it. But yeah, that may, it makes much more sense to have like a staging version of the site. I take it. I do some magic. I, I templatize it, and then I say, "Great, it doesn't matter. I've got um, whatever data." So that would be something that like Matt as a service could do. Otherwise, okay. Matt as a service would be like, "Fucking kill me!" But that sounds like a job. <laughs> that sounds like a job I don't want to do. But still, like if somebody paid you a billion dollars to do it, would you do it? Yeah, I could. Right. Yeah. So maybe the next thing to test is the market risk. Like, is anybody willing to pay for this? Yeah. And then just start servicing them. Like, all right, I'm mm-hmm. gonna transfer. I'm gonna migrate your site to to my hosting, and yeah. so then it, 
yeah, it becomes a question of how much money would, well, would that was make it a, worth. That yeah. was exactly what I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is the trick, right? Of how much do you charge for something like this? I have an idea of what I, of like, well, I have an idea of what you price against, right? Because if you want to stay on Webflow because you really like it, and I don't blame you, it's a good tool, um, you're priced against a developer, like hiring yeah. somebody to do the thing that I'm doing. And that is a constant upkeep every month. Um, and it's in a, uh, it's an initial thing because you have to go and do this whole thing and create the whole template. And that's assuming that you don't make any design change. Um, yeah. No, you're right. It's like, it, it's going to be thousands of dollars yeah. to, to migrate. And then, yeah, whenever they do it, any change to the design, it's going to be hundreds of dollars. Mm -hmm. Oh, could you, you know, make this change here that I just made in yeah. Webflow? Yeah. Can you take all of these user submissions and turn them into X? You know, I, I don't know what they are, but, you know, depending on the site. So it's like, what would the price point need to be to, to have it be a viable option for, for people? Because I'm kind of in the realm of like, I mean, when you look at Webflow, I think Webflow's hosting is, is it like $15 a month or something like that? No, for the CMS, it's more than that. Is it more than that? Yeah, it might be like 36 a month or 45 a month, depending on how many CMS items you have. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just thinking like, yeah, like how could you... <laughs> what would be a reasonable price? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's it. It's the fact that there's a limit. You know, it's the... Wait, okay. So Webflow's hosting is $16 a month, but that's probably the, so that's the baby plan. Two, 2,000 CMS items. And that's if you pay annually. So if we're talking monthly, it's 20 bucks a month. But if you have more than 2,000 items, then it's 45 a month. Okay. And then enterprise, which doesn't even fix the ten thousand items, <laughs> but I think we're talking about hundreds of dollars for the enterprise, mm -hmm. if not thousands. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I I've looked at this pricing page before, but I never caught that there's a uh, monthly visits limit. Yeah. No, exactly. There's you know, and form submissions and mm. and uh, bandwidth. I think there's there's other limits also. So I mean that's I think I think enterprise fixes all of those limits. Mm. That's what enterprise is there for. So yeah. like, you want more monthly visits, or you want uh, more bandwidth, mm. yeah, or more content editors. So yeah, so thirty six a month, and but it's not. I think it's. I think you need to look at the forty five a month. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, the forty five. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're right. Thirty six is just annually. But yeah. So that's how much they're paying before, before they're about to hit the wall. Mm -hmm. So they hit the wall, and it's like, all right, I'll do it for, you know, is a hundred dollars a month reasonable? Because it, it, yeah, it, hmm. is it, is it reasonable for you? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was thinking five hundred a month. Yeah, because I, well, I was kind of thinking the same thing, like. <laughs> I, I think it's worth that. And I and my problem is that I won't know until I sp start speaking to people to understand, you know, what am I dealing with here? Because if it's just like, I mean, because if, if you were, if you have 10,000 items, 
you must be do you got to be doing something right right exactly and you're spending 45 bucks a month it's like and like like we said the next step is to hire a developer and mm-hmm. create a custom site yeah because yeah, i agree with you i think that yeah, you need to be paying for webflow and it's like great i'm happy to happy to host it for you i think yeah i think i agree i think it's a 500 a month problem and it's i think that's a steal i think it's a steal at 500 a month. <laughs> i think it is i mean sure some people's gut reaction is going to be wait that's way too expensive but if the solution is to hire a developer mm-hmm. you know, first of all hiring a developer is not easy no <laughs> So like, yeah, you could try to shop around, find someone in India that could do it really cheap or mm-hmm. in the Philippines. Yeah. But if you then, know how to do that. Like- yeah. If you know how to do that and, and is the first developer you pick going to be any good or like, do you know how to pick a good developer? Like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it's a big problem. It's a, so a product, like a productize service where that's partly automated, partly hands-on. Mm. I mean, I would say like. My my gut reaction, my gut feeling was like you you price it like it's a productized service, but at first you run it like it's a service service. Yeah. So like you you just do the work for them, and it's mm-hmm. not profitable because you know five hundred bucks per customer that's that's ridiculous. Like I'm yeah. spending way too many hours doing it. Totally. But but while you're doing it, you're building the automation tools. Mm-hmm. Like you're and you're you're figuring out what what needs to be built. Like mm-hmm. This client here doesn't need grid layout. He just needs Flexbox. Yeah. So that's all you build. You build Flexbox. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you can maybe even hire a few developers yeah. to, to help out with the work. Yeah. Because you've automated a lot of it, so it's it's less work. It's it's more like it's it's better documented. It's like it's simple. Run the script. It generates this. Then mm-hmm. go through it. Add the logic. Yeah. Here are the rules for if it's Flexbox or if it's Grid. And these are the classes you add. And yeah. Go look at their staging site, compare it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's pretty systematic, and and then eventually you could fully automate it. Yeah. Yeah, I think like full automation is possible. Um, it's just a matter of exposure to that. That's why something like the kitchen sink is so. Uh, it's so helpful. And in fact, that's something that you could probably pay somebody to build for you. To just be like, awesome, I'll pay you. We'll, we'll figure it out together. But it's like, create a <laughs> create a page or a bunch of different pages with all the different controls on them with like pagination and not and like all the different combinations and then just like have them. There's a lot of really complex templates on Webflow that you can clone. Mm, I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, and some of them, like they already come with a CMS that's full of data. Okay. So like you could, yeah, download one that has all these multi-reference fields and, mm. and nested collection lists. And, yeah, there we go. Yeah, and pagination. Like it would have all of it. Okay, it might not have all the field types, but, but, then, yeah. the, but then you could just add them, right? Like yeah. <laughs> at that point, it's like, okay, I'm missing a checkbox. You just add a random checkbox. <laughs> it's like... Who cares if it's ugly it's like, yeah. <laughs> or it serves no purpose? Yeah. Right? It's just it's just the chicken. It's the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I think I'll. Uh, I think that's the approach that I'll take next. I'll change tact and try in the reverse direction and see if that's easier slash more complete. And then I'll go out and start talking to people.
Well, okay, how... Yeah, I mean, it's clearly possible. It's clearly, clearly possible. So at that point, it's just like, all right, cool. How do I go out and find people to talk to about doing it as one-offs? Okay, so that's what I'll do then. I'm going to spend a few hours changing tack, and I'm going to try taking the example that I have and turning it into... I'll do it in the reverse direction. Rather than use the notes going forward, I'll take the final product and go backward. And then um, from there, once I have something, I will... I'll start reaching out to people and trolling around to see if there's people who will be willing to speak with me at the very least. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, I have a plan. And who, know, who knows? Maybe the future is just going to be you have to train GPT-3 with the staging site. Oh, God. <laughs> and then you give it the CMS and it just figures out what HTML to generate. Oh, Jesus Christ. That would be <laughs> awesome. And then the machines take over. Exactly. Finally, I, for one, welcome our new benevolent overlords. <laughs> okay, cool. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because I've got a bunch of questions about things that need to be built. Like, because if I need to, like, if, for example, um, uh, one of these people is using Power Importer and they're like, I really want to continue to use Power Importer, then it's like, okay, cool. Like, I have to build the CMS. I have to build this aspect of what the CMS will look like. And if they're like, I have a forum and I take user inputs, like, okay, I got to build that too. So it's just like the laundry list of things that that um, that people have access to, or that, that pe people will need in order to um, in order to have a, this be a fully functioning replacement for what yeah. they're doing. But at least if they're using Power Importer, then you just have to build a headless CMS. Like you don't need to yes. have a user interface, mm -hmm. which I love the idea of. That would be so sick if they're like, oh yeah, we, I use well, I use Airflow. I like Airflow. <laughs> there was a product at the we we forked. Uh, there, there Apache Airflow is a thing. Oh, okay, and we used it at the last place I worked. So, but yeah, oh, I used Airtable and I use Airtable and I love it. It's like, hey, perfect. Like, let's let's go. Yeah, at that point, it's just like, how do you manage changes to your? Um, how do you manage changes to this uh, to the CMS schema? Like if they add a new column, et cetera, or they make a change that where conflicts arrive, then. Yeah, that's it. That's, I envisioned a bunch of diff tools. Mm -hmm. Basically, like when they say, all right, I'm ready to publish. I've made some changes I want to publish. Mm -hmm. Then it's, you do a diff of the CMS. You do a diff of the of the, temp, of the exported templates. Mm -hmm. So now you know what they changed and then you know like what kind of change, you know, if it's just, they just sprinkled a little bit of design like there's it's just the css that changed well then great mm -hmm. you have nothing to change yeah. like you just update the css mm -hmm. and, and then you deploy redeploy the site yeah how do you how do you handle that like i guess you just overwrite what's in the cms like you don't care because it's your you treat air, air table as the source of truth like if they add a field if they add a column yeah like say they add, say they renamed a column yeah they then they have to come back to Power Importer and update their mapping. So they have to say, okay, right. like, I renamed this field. So now like, but, but usually they don't even have to do that if they rename a field because the slug stays the same. Mm -hmm. And I, I use a slug. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, let's say they add a new column. Mm -hmm. Well, they're going to go in, Air, in Power Importer anyways to map a new Airtable field to that, to, to that new right. column. So yeah. That's all. They just have to come, and then and then I detect. Oh, this this is a new a new field with new values. 
So I'll, I'll update all the CMS items that have a, a value for that field. Right. But yeah, that's it. I I don't have to detect anything automatically because they'll always they'll always log into Power Importer mm. for any one of these changes. Okay. Yeah, because I guess that makes sense for me too. Because if you have a if I was a different if I was a headless CMS, then you would say, you know, they would say, okay, I want to add a new column. So how do they manage that CMS? Well, uh, yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a good point. Because like, yeah, I could say, I could say something like I can take the CMS potentially from staging when they hit publish. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could use the CMS API. So they told you, all right, I'm, I added this new field. Uh, I want to publish the site now. So you, you do a diff with the CMS. There's, there's staging CMS, mm -hmm. right? Like, and you see, okay, they added this new field, so you add it to your headless CMS, mm -hmm. and then the next time Power Importer runs, it would it would populate that new field. Yeah, yeah, because this only like yeah, this I, it would only be a problem ever if you um, if you give control like in your headless CMS, if you give them control to be like, oh, they add a bunch of columns without adding them in staging. Yeah, exactly. And then it's just no. like, oh, what, the, what have you done? Like, how did you do this? Yeah, yeah, no, you want you want their staging CMS to be yeah. the source of truth yeah. of the, the data structure mm -hmm. and the design. Yeah. And then if they're using Power Importer, well, Airtable is the source of truth for their data. Exactly. The, the CMS is still the source of truth for the schema. Exactly. And, and, you prov and by providing a mapping on the uh, Power Importer side, you can... You maintain that that connection. Yeah. Okay. I, I definitely have some customers you can talk to. Okay. They've they've <laughs> expressed that they they see the wall coming and, and okay. they're scared. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll uh, yeah. I need to take a crack at um. I need to take a crack at this and see about going the other way. And then once I've built up a little bit of confidence with that, then uh, then it's time to start talking. Because because I, I think you know the big question you have is are they willing to pay five hundred bucks. For for a, a service that is not real time, that yeah. you know might have a forty eight hour uh, turnaround for mm. changes, yeah. yeah, are they willing to pay? Because then right away, like if they're not, well, you know, then you're then it means you have to fully automate it mm -hmm. so that you can charge fifty bucks a month, yeah. <laughs> hundred bucks a month, yeah. and then it's a whole different decision to make. Okay, cool. So for next week, um, so what's the most important thing? Most important thing right now is um, giving the thing a try, the, the technical aspect a try, and then it's just talking to, as, getting in touch with as many people as I can. So yeah, by next week, I need to have uh, spoken to a few people. Cool. Is that scary? In a way that I wasn't expecting. Like, it, it's scary of like, oh, I'm going to talk to them, but it's almost more like, Almost like I got the problem wrong. Like if they, if I speak to them and they're like, "Oh no, it's I run a comment section." It'll be like, "Oh yeah, like I run." It's like all my ten thousand entries are comments that people are leaving on a page, and I'm like, "Ooh, I was building the wrong thing." But if it turns out that they're building com like it's all comments, it's like, well, then what I need to build is a comment tool for Webflow. Like I don't need to build a reverse hosting thing. Like I need to, <laughs> I need to build like a comment section. Right. Um. Yeah, so it's like I have my uh, take on what I think the problem is, um, and I would like to be right, but I don't know that I will be. And maybe that's the maybe that's what I find scary—the contradiction. Because I still believe, like, 
you know, just from talking with you and, and doing some like preliminary reading, it seems like this problem is very real. The question just becomes like, okay, well, in what way is it real? Or how are people experiencing this this problem because they are experiencing it? And I just don't have any background on it yet. So it's time to go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, just, just talking to them will... You can, you'll find out so much, so much, right? Like, hmm. I mean, even if they did put all their comments in the CMS, like maybe they want to continue doing that because they have full design control and mm-hmm. good point. They don't, you know, because there are solutions out there for for adding comments yeah. dynamically to a site. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think I think it'd be good to know how much you're willing to pay. Yeah. Yes, sir. This was super helpful. It was very good to have a, a technical talk about this. Because, yeah, it's, I've kind of been like, I've made progress, but it's still a bit worrying. Yeah, and that's, uh, it's, it's very cool. I mean, I, had, I just had a gut feeling that it was doable, but it's nice to see that you, it's nice to see that I, I wasn't completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, there is something there, uh, but there are, there are holes that I hadn't seen, like the, that need to there's even more reverse engineering to be done mm. yeah yeah cool so yeah that's really it for me i i don't want to oh actually well I, okay one quick thing because i think you'll enjoy this um i was looking i was shopping around for new headphones for new wireless headphones and uh i was like oh let me go how i was like oh i need to investigate like the airpods like just to see them so I went on their page and I forgot that Apple hijacks scrolling. And I remember to our conversation a few months ago about how hijacking scrolling is the fucking worst. And if you do it, you should die. Um, <laughs> but I went to their page and was like, oh, I want to skip to the pricing because it's Apple, right? It's a whole experience. So command down, like just take me to the end of the page. And it breaks their page. No. So if you, if you, it looks like you have to trip through each of the elements in order to have the next section even load. Oh my God. So if you command down for whatever reason, it breaks the way the page loads. So you, like, it's just missing content at the end. Amazing. So let this be a lesson to all you out there who hijack scrolling. I command down (laughs) to the bottom of your page and I break your shit. And did you buy the? headphones no i didn't i was like this page is broken i don't know how much it costs close there you go <laughs> that's why you don't do that shit people customer churned <laughs> so i went on amazon and bought them there <laughs> <laughs> there you go take that yeah now you have to pay an affiliate fee get fucked <laughs> <clears throat> yeah so I-, I thought you might enjoy that yeah <laughs> Like uh, the template that I cloned for Member Row, mm-hmm. it's it's a Webflow template. Okay, and it had these it has these little transitions, oh, okay. animations, mm-hmm. and I hate them so much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I go to my own site and I start scrolling, and I'm there. Fuck! Why? Why did I? <laughs> did I just hijack scrolling? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I hate it. I hate like I scroll and I have to wait. A second before something appears Ooh, on the page, it's like seconds—a long time. Or so often you have to overscroll. I find like you have oh. to scroll past it, and then it loads. So then you scroll back up to read it. <laughs> it's like you have to drive by it before you can see it. It's like, oh my god, why did I do this? I've become everything that I hate. But uh, most likely, I'm gonna scrap it anyways because this—I'm really enjoying Tailwind right now. So, mm. so I think the new landing page will just be part of the app. 
will just be written written in Telwin. And... Cool. Yeah, so that's really it for me. I don't know if you have anything else. No. Cool. No, should, we should wrap it up. All right, sounds good. All right, I'll catch you next week. All right, good luck. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> See ya. See ya.